Hello and welcome to the Architects Garden Podcast, a place where we discuss the intersection of marketing, technology, automation, and strategy. As marketing ops gets more complex, we help you separate what's real and what's hype. I'm Kristen Malkovich. And I'm Grant Gregorian. And in today's episode, we're talking to Maria Stopak, go-to market decision support team lead at New Relic. Hi, Maria. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me today. Hi. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So um, I've known you for a while, but I would love for you to just start off with telling us a little bit about, you know, your work background, um, you know, where you were before you were on a marketing team, and then, you know, how you got into marketing analytics. Sure. So um, I got my undergraduate degree in math. And I think like a lot of people, it was sort of one of those things, man, what what am I going to do with this math degree? I knew I really liked it, but I didn't know what to do. So my original intent was actually to be a high school math teacher. And during my final semester in undergrad, when I was doing my student teaching, I realized that Groups of high school students, like 30 or so in a classroom setting, was not actually uh, for me. So uh, as much as I loved math, I, I still didn't know what to do. And, and so now I had this math degree and kind of panicked, I guess, when I was trying to graduate. So I ended up going to graduate school right away. And I found a full-time um, uh, program where I got my master's in mathematics also. And the program I went to was more of an applied math program. And that was when I learned a lot more about data analytics and how that could, um, you know, help help a business. And so that was really sort of where it all started was when I was in grad school. And then I graduated and here I am with a master's degree and zero experience. And so I'm costing more and I don't have any actual experience. And I had taken zero business classes um, and I'm, you know, applying around like, hey, hire me. I can do it, I swear. And so I had kind of a hard time um, getting started. And my first job was actually working for a defense contractor. So I was doing some um, government work, basically, and I think that was kind of like my first step into the real world of working. And uh, I had always wanted to um, live in San Francisco. I'm, I'm from the Midwest. I had always wanted to live in San Francisco where it's sort of the tech hub of the world and, and work for a tech company. And it was just always this thing I wanted to do. And so I decided, hey, Government work's not really for me. I'm going to try, try, try it out in San Francisco. So I started applying for jobs and, and the first job I had gotten was for uh, a startup and it was doing more product analytics and I loved working there um, at first because I was learning a lot and it was an actual business. And so I was just learning about business in general, but I was definitely more on the engineering and product side. And um, so I was just learning the area, learning San Francisco, learning more about the tech industry. And I had stumbled across this company called New Relic and they called themselves data nerds. And I was like, man, that sounds like the coolest company. I want to go work for a company that, you know, calls themselves data nerds because I felt like a data nerd. <laughs> And so that was really the appeal to New Relic for me. And it turns out I had actually known someone who worked there. And so I asked him, uh, hey, how, how can I, you know, get a job at New Relic? Are you hiring any analysts? And he said, well, it looks like the only opening we have is on the marketing team. I, I knew nothing about marketing. And I was like, how much, how much data does a marketing team really have? Like they probably don't even have data, right? Like this is what, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking marketing is all about billboards and, and, you know, uh, fun logos. And, and I was just, I was like, man, this is going to be like the worst job ever, but I really wanted to work at this company. So I took the interview and, uh, the hiring manager convinced me. He was like, no, no, marketing has 
so much data. Like you are going to be overwhelmed. And I still didn't really believe him, but I'm like, all right, this sounds interesting. Let's, let's do it. So I've now been at New Relic three years. And so the last three years I've been learning all about marketing analytics and, and yeah, I guess that's kind of how I ended up where I am today. It was just kind of, um, you know, the, the hiring manager at New Relic took a chance on me and I, and I've been learning all about marketing, uh, since. And so that's kind of how I got to where I am today. And what do you, what do you think? So given your broader background in, uh, data analysis and math, what, is there anything that stood out to you about marketing data specifically? Is it just like any other data? Is there something unique about it? What was your, what's your impression? I actually think it's the hardest, uh, to work with. It's the hardest data to work with and no it's the hardest problems that I've had to solve. Um, at least in my perspective. So every, every data set you get is always messy and there's always cleanup and there's always, um, you know, in, imperfect data that you have to work with. But I think within marketing, it's just like, 10 times worse. <laughs> um, you, you have so many different data sources. You have probably your marketing automation platform. You have, um, like web analytics of some sort, like you're probably using Google analytics or something. And then you've got your CRM tool and you've got all these other tools. Plus you also have like your product usage. And, and so within marketing, you kind of want to know all of these things and tie all of these data sources together. And, and as most of you probably know, when you're looking at sort of web traffic, you can't always tie what someone's doing on your website to who that person actually is. So when you're looking in something like Google analytics and you're saying, Hey, this, this got this many page views or, Here's how many sessions we had this week or this month. It's almost impossible then to like kind of try to tie that to the actual uh, person. I know Marketo or, or other marketing um, automation platforms try to do this, but there's always gaps in like trying to, to map people together and actually map them through their full customer journey. And then, you know, once they do end up start using your product, you kind of want to know, well, which features are they using? How can we market to people who maybe aren't um, getting the full use out of our product? And so you just, you, you basically are kind of involved in all aspects of the data more so than I think any other team is because product people kind of care just about the product and sales kind of cares just about the sales. But but marketing is looking at at everything because we want to know like new areas for you know potential opportunities to market to people, whether it's current customers or new people. And so it's just a lot more uh trying to tie things together. And and I think the one thing that was really hard for me when I first started was knowing that it was okay for things not to be 100% accurate. <laughs> in marketing, we kind of just like, hey, if you think this is like 80% right, cool. It's it's directionally right. We can take this and run with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas other departments cannot do that. Like they need, especially sales, right? How much data or like how much revenue are we going to close? Like you kind of need to be able to report that accurately. You can't say, I think we're going to close about a hundred dollars. Like you need to be able to, <laughs> right? Yeah. Whereas in marketing, you, you can be a little bit more, um, you know, like I said, that like maybe 80, 20 rule, um, trying to just get good enough data. And that was hard for me because I think I wanted to make everything so perfect. Um, but it's actually one of the things that I love about marketing too, is it's really fast paced and brought quick turnaround. And so, um, yeah, so I think marketing data is hard. <laughs> do you think that, so do you think that, uh, because it's in marketing and it's interesting to hear you say that it's, I mean, it's, it's just as like complex and where you have to tie many different things together and you have to analyze many different types of data and you don't have to be exactly precise about it. So there's some nuance around, you know, all of it. It does take 
a master's degree math person to, to wade through all of that. And yet we have like normal people who may not be math, you know, uh, graduate students who need to make decisions based on that data. So how do you reconcile the two, the complexity of the data set, the complexity of the, the math that you're potentially doing on that data set to then say, okay, but at the end of the day, what are we supposed to do about this? Right. It, it is a, a challenge, and I guess I'm pretty fortunate. Some of the leaders I work with are really intelligent, and then sometimes I'm surprised because um, they'll they'll I'll try to surface high level uh, metrics to them, and they'll they'll drill down and they'll ask some really um, detailed questions. And I'm always impressed with how much they can keep up. But yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. It's um, I think what I started off doing was um, doing some basic reporting and analysis to start to um, earn their trust. So that way, when I start doing some kind of really crazy, cool stuff, they they've they've already, you know, I've built that relationship. I've built that trust. And so if they can't fully understand what I've done, they they trust me. They're like, OK, Maria's good with numbers. She knows what she's doing. Um, and, and then I can kind of start doing some cooler stuff and, and surfacing more complicated analyses to them. But um, kind of just giving them that. Um, uh, you know, kind of like taking the insights uh, out of that data for them and giving them that narrative of the data and say, hey, this is what the story I think it's telling. Here's what I think we should do. And really kind of I think as as long as you have some sort of narrative along with that data, it, it makes it a lot easier for execs to understand uh, what it's telling them to do. So question, uh, can you give us a little bit of background in terms of what tools you're then using to do this? Because I think that's a big topic in marketing technology in general, right? Like multi-touch is super important and variety of tools have come out for that. Can you walk us through, um, you don't have to name product names unless you want to, but just can you walk us through, you know, maybe where you started and where you're at now and that kind of evolution of tool usage? Yeah, so when I first started, um, I, I was trying to basically do everything as, free as possible. <laughs> so um, we had we had a database. Uh, and so that database contains um, a lot of our Salesforce data and other data sources and product data. And so I was using um, SQL to query our databases. And then um, I personally like to use this tool. It's called R. It's a just the letter R. It's a statistical programming language. And so uh, and that's completely free uh, open source software that anyone can just download. And so I was trying to do a lot of stuff um, basically outside of any marketing automation tool or outside of our, our CRM tool. I was trying to just do everything on my own. And while that was okay, it, it just wasn't scalable as the business was changing and I kept having to change, um, you know, how I was doing campaign reporting and campaign influence. It, it wasn't working. And that's when I realized, oh, hey, there are vendors who do this because we are not the only people who have this problem. So maybe it would make sense for us to to, to just get a vendor and, and to see what's out there and what's possible and what I could get out of the box from someone else. Um, so that way I wasn't spending all of my time just like in code updating things and, and trying to explain to people what I had done. Um, and then I was also a bottleneck, right? Anytime anyone needed numbers, they had to come to me. There was no way for anyone to self-serve. So it wasn't scalable. So we had tried a few different um, vendors. And right now, the vendor we are using to do campaign reporting and campaign attribution, we are using Full Circle Insights. 
And we've been using it for about six months and it's, it's going well for us. We, we like it. Uh, the, the big pro is that it's, um, uh, built right into salesforce.com. And, and that's just, uh, the culture at New Relic is everything lives and breathes in salesforce.com. Um, maybe unnaturally so, but, but that's kind of how our company is. Like if it's not in Salesforce, it's not true. And so I really needed, um, some sort of campaign reporting tool that I could use within, in Salesforce. Uh, so that's what we're using. It's full circle insights and, and it's going really well. And I, and I like it because I can still tweak the models and I can still, um, kind of have that, math nerdy side to me where I can, you know, pull some levers and, and tweak some some of the inputs that go into the model. Um, but yeah, so that, that's what we're using to do campaign reporting and attribution. So, so are I, you still I, using those other databases and whatnot? Or ha, are you fully on that? Or what sort of the, the give and take in those? Yeah, so so for the basic uh, campaign reporting and attribution, for sure, everything comes out of Salesforce reports now. But I still use our database and SQL and R to do the ad hoc analyses. So what's cool is um, since I was I was that bottleneck and anytime somebody needed campaign numbers, they had to come to me. Now that everyone can go to Salesforce and self-serve that data, it's freed up my time. And so now I can do a lot more deeper dives in the data and doing more ad hoc analyses, which I really enjoy doing. And so, yeah, I still I still use R and SQL uh, all the time. What do you think the balance is there? Like how, how much is in Salesforce and self-serve and how much are you, or can you give an example too of like what you're doing that's a deep dive? I'm personally just curious because I think most of us are stuck on these other tools. Most of us don't have someone like you on the marketing team. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a, an oddball, I feel like. Um, well, so I, I guess I didn't mention this, but we also um, have recently started using Tableau, which is a uh, BI tool. And so that's basically, um, I'm finding that any deep dive ad hoc analysis that I do, there's always the chance that someone's going to have further questions or it's going to want to get shared broadly or people are going to want that updated regularly or and so it's sort of like there is no such thing as just like a one-time ad hoc analysis anymore it's just um supplementing the existing reporting we had and um as i'm sure most people know salesforce.com has um its limitations when it comes to reporting so i needed a tool that would let me automate some more advanced analyses that I couldn't do within Salesforce. So Salesforce is great for really basic reporting. And so now we have Tableau. And so Tableau connects directly into our databases. And so I can build uh, visualizations and dashboards out there that are slightly more complicated than Salesforce. Um, and then the business can still go and access that in, in, in real time and self-serve that data. Uh, I'm trying to think of some examples of things um, that I've done. Um, just like uh, I think one thing that kind of stands out is the order in which people purchase our products. It wasn't I mean, you can get that data out of Salesforce, but it's not super cool. And so I had created a um, it's called a Sankey diagram, which is literally just the flows. It, it's a visualization that shows the flows in which um, the order in which you purchase a product. So this chunk of people purchase product A first and then half of them purchase product B first and then the other half purchase product C C second, I'm sorry, second. Um, and so it's just, it's just a cool visualization that, that shows that sort of thing. And so I think that that's what I use tools like Tableau for is it's not necessarily even anything super crazy. Um, 
as far as like, it's not like these complex statistical models that I'm writing, um, but it's just cooler visualizations that people can self-serve and, and kind of understand what's happening better than you can just in um, a Salesforce dashboard, which might just show you some numbers. It's kind of cooler to see it visualized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And one of the uh, eternal questions with analytics is kind of like the garbage in, garbage out problem. And I find that often analysts who care about data and outcomes find themselves going deeper and deeper into the ops of the where the data came from and why is it like this and surely there's a better way to generate data do you know what i mean like these systems leave a trace and log yeah. and everything else do you find yourself digging into how does google you know adwords generate data what are the url parameters what is how is this being tracked in Salesforce? Like exactly, like I have to understand what's happening and how much of that of your time is spent kind of uh, either paying attention to or even guiding how should it be set up? Because there is always like this chicken or the egg problem. Somebody, oh, for sure. Somebody will go and change a process and then you'll run a report and the data will be broken and you'll you'll say, why is this broken? And oh, oh, because you guys changed something. Well, can you tell me next time you change something? Versus you proactively saying, in order for us to be able to answer questions like these, we need systems that track things like this, or a business process that's like this, therefore we need a tool. Do you know what I mean? Can you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. So actually, um, I was, I was really struggling with the, our data quality. Um, and so this was right around when we had gotten full circle. So before we had implemented full circle insights, um, Full circle is completely based off of the campaign uh, data that you have within Salesforce.com. And so I had spent, I basically like abandoned all analytics for, for gosh, it was probably a good quarter. I would say it was probably like a good three solid months. I was basically not really doing any reporting. And for three months, we had this huge project where we redid all of our campaigns, how they were structured in Marketo, how um, our UTM parameters were working off of the website and how that was getting pumped into Marketo. And, and we you know we came up with um, uh, like naming conventions and how things would work. And so we had to work very closely with all the, the different teams, like the website team and, and people who are working with Marketo. And yeah, it was just sort of, um, I knew the questions that were being asked of the data, right? Like I, I'm meeting with our execs all the time and I know the things that they are asking and the questions that they need answered. And so I was just like in this like perfect position to work with all those teams to say, hey, here's how things should be structured. Like, and it just kind of like got buying across the team and and I'm not going to say that things don't break occasionally now but at least it's a little bit better and, and people kind of know who to inform when they are going to make changes um and so yeah I think just like working with all the teams it's kind of everyone knows now to, to loop me in if they're going to make changes especially because um if, if someone's going to make a change especially like let's say with like a paid digital ad um they're going to want me to know that the UTM parameter is updated because they're going to want to make sure that their their stuff's getting reported out accurately to the execs because I'm the one reporting on that and so um people who care about their tactics and how well they're doing make sure that I'm in the loop because they know that I'm the one reporting out how their stuff's doing so yeah so I would say I ended up kind of taking a, a little hiatus from analytics to um you know kind of inform how things are tracked and how things should work um just 
Yeah, so so it was interesting, and I actually really enjoyed that experience and being able to have that opportunity to do that. Um, and it was a fun project. I really enjoyed doing it. I think you're probably the only person I've ever heard say, I really enjoyed cleaning up my data. That was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so I want to kind of transition into the recent um, transition you have made to revenue operations and would love to hear a little bit of background on how you arrived at the decision to form the team and then um, maybe we can dive into like the structure of the team because revenue operations has been something we've been talking to some other people about. And so trying to see the different ways that people are implementing revenue operations at their company and, and what the you know impetus for it is and, and how it, it ends up sort of shaking out. Yeah, so we merged um, into a revenue operations team on October 1st, so um, it's been about two and a half months now, and the reason we decided to do it was really to um, increase our our alignment across marketing and sales. Um, we weren't aligned on on a lot of things. And not only that, we were duplicating efforts left and right, especially when it comes to the reporting side. Um, there were so many, so many people doing the same analysis. And of course, um, no one's work is wrong, but people might um, pull the data in a slightly different way. And, and they're both right. They're just telling you different things, but the execs think that they're the same thing. And then they're like, how come these numbers aren't the same? Why aren't they aligning? And then we were spending all these um, cycles trying to figure out, you know, why we weren't de- like delivering the same numbers. And, and yeah, so there's just a lot of duplication of effort. We weren't really aligned. Things like basic lead routing were really complicated because we weren't aligned. And so um, we just had decided, like, we thought it was best for our company, um, for everyone's career growth also, um, to kind of just come together and and create one team. And so we decided to actually call our team go-to-market operations. And we did that because we felt revenue operations still felt or sounded like a sales operations team. And I think that's because um, most CROs, most chief revenue officers are in charge of sales. So when you think of a CRO and then you think of revenue operations, it kind of just um, had this sales feel to it. At least that's how we felt. So we thought go-to-market operations would be better. And so it's not even just marketing and sales operations. It's also technical sales operations and customer success operations and um, alliances and channels and the partnerships we have operations. So it's really that whole customer journey, all of the operations that goes along with that falls on our go-to-market operations team. And so, yeah, so it's been two and a half months but it's going really well. Um, it's definitely, um, we're still transitioning, but I think it's the right move for our company. And, and we're already seeing way better cross-functional alignment between all the teams. So when you guys do reporting, is it um, for marketing or for, how do, can you tell me who's the consumer of this go-to-market team? Is it the executive team? Is it the sales leadership, marketing leadership, the individual marketers, like field marketing and demand gen people? Tell me tell me a little bit about the, the dynamic between this new go-to-market team and everybody else. 
Sure. So it, it's really everyone um, from individual marketers all the way up to marketing execs and same thing with sales and, and all those other teams I had mentioned. And so how we decided to organize our team or go to market operations team is to have the functionary roles and then within those role, like, or I guess functionary teams, and then within those teams, there will be like a marketing person, a salesperson, a partnership person. So for example, we have a business processes team. They're kind of um, the more strategic thinking folks and like sort of like, what are the processes that we need to roll out to the organization? And so we have a marketing business process person and a sales business process person and a partnership business process person. And so um, that's kind of how they operate. And then I'm now leading our reporting team and so I have a marketing uh, analyst under me and I'm currently trying to hire a sales analyst and so I do still have some gaps um, on my team but we're, we're trying to hire and get those filled and so then it's sort of like anyone in the business whether it's a marketer or an individual sales rep or a VP or you know our head of sales or our CMO whoever they come to my team and then I oversee all of the reporting. So regardless of what the requests are. And so we do, we have to balance and we're really good about tracking um, the requests that come in. I mean, you have to, when you're, when you're in an operations team, especially when you're starting to, to grow at scale, you need to be really good at your intake request um, and, and how those come in and how you prioritize them. And so, we do. We, we strike a nice balance between supporting the executives and the numbers they need, but then also supporting individuals, like individual contributors in all of those orgs. Um, so really, yeah, we're supporting um, everyone. And so, and I think it works that way because now that I'm in charge of all reporting, everything is aligned. Like there's no <laughs> numbers coming, you know, numbers coming from different people or different. It's sort of like, did it come from Maria's team? No. Well, then I'm not looking at it. So it's it's actually pretty awesome. Amazing. That is a great position to be in. I mean, like yes. to be able to align <laughs> like that. That's so cool. And I wanted to I wanted to deep go a little bit deeper on the reporting and analytics because we talked about attribution a little bit. We talked about kind of day to day metrics and campaign ROI a little bit. So I wanted to dive in even further and ask you what, if anything, you're doing around things like recommendations and maybe even forecasting. Because one of the natural transitions for an analyst is, well, there's like a flavor of an analyst that's basically like a reporting person. You get asked a question and you answer the question with like a report or like a chart. But as you get good at that, I mean, and given all of your in-depth knowledge around the business itself and the operations, it is very natural for that person to then start to become more of like a consultant to say, I see that this event didn't really perform as well as this other event. And what seems to be, have been different about it was its geography or the type of people who were invited or the context and, and become more of a, a business consultant and almost like a fellow strategist uh, who's helping you interpret the data and help you make recommendations about the data rather than simply reporting the numbers. Yeah, so that is definitely somewhere that I am striving to go, but not there yet. Um, I think that I... Well, I would like to think that I was doing a really great job with our marketing reporting, which is why I'm now... Um, in charge of like marketing and sales reporting. Um, but on the sales side, uh, we're struggling to just get 
basic metrics and reporting done right. And so I've kind of, um, I can't even think about doing the cooler stuff and the more strategic stuff until I've nailed down the basic reporting. And that's just because I'm um, maybe a crazy person and I, <laughs> I want everything to be nice and neat and like as good as it can get before I start doing some um, more strategic analyses. But I mean, I'm noticing things in our data up basic things where we don't have a good process for, I mean, ever, everything in your CRM tool is most, not everything, but most of it is input by a salesperson. And so we do not have good processes around um, when, when the, the sales reps put the amount on a deal. And so there are some people in my company who are trying to like predict and do more advanced forecasting and and i was like you realize that the the forecasts or like the models you're building is completely off of garbage data there's zero like like i see like, like i said there's just no problem when a rep has to enter the amount and and then how realistic it is and um you know we we notice trends where our head of sales will say i want you know 50 dollars more in pipeline this quarter well, then our sales reps just go back and increase all their deals until it sums up to $50. And she, she's happy that she got 50 more dollars in pipeline, but it's completely fake because there's no process around like, um, you know, uh, how they, they put those amounts in. And so I think just doing any, any like, uh, strategic analyses around that, uh, is actually just a waste of time. We need better business processes around the data that goes into our system and, and, processes around like when the deal is at this stage, you have to have this data filled in and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think we're still working on the basics. Um, and so um, I'm trying to think of a, a marketing analogy for that, but but it's similar, right? It's like, I think the hot thing in marketing right now is uh, campaign attribution. And so if you don't have good processes around when sales are creating opportunities, it's like you're never gonna fully know the dollar value that marketing's contributing until that stuff is kind of worked out. And so we're we're still doing the um reporting side, but yes, that's the plan is to kind of automate the reporting and get it into a really good place where then hopefully I can move into a more strategic role and do um you know more forward thinking analyses. So Marie, I just wanted to ask you a bit more about, you know, your new title and your new team. And, you know, now that you're on this more, you know, holistic, you know, analytics team, what is sort of changing your day to day? I know you mentioned more strategy, but, um, you know, have, has the reports dramatically changed or do you just feel like this is a really good culmination of, you know, all the data and the company coming together? Um, but, yeah, also curious about, you know, the title for your team and all of that. Yeah, so um, my title is go-to-market decision support team lead, and go-to-markets because of the go-to-market operations uh, name that we came up with, and then we chose to call my team decision support, and I think when I think of analytics in general, there's kind of two two main parts to it. There's like the basics of analytics, which is getting the data understanding the data and where it comes from, massaging it, um, getting rid of any, you know, bad data, whatever, and then putting it into some sort of a report or a dashboard or even just an Excel file. However, there's there's understanding the data, getting it, manipulating it, and then putting it into some sort of a format. And, and that's like the basics of analytics. And then on top of that, once you nail that, on top of that, that's where you do the insights and the recommendations from that that data, which is um, 
hey, exec, we're seeing this type of stuff in the data. Here's what we think it means. And you can either do X, Y, or Z as a result of this. And we'd maybe recommend X. Well, in order to get really, really good at the insights and the recommendations, you truly have to be closer to the business. And so my boss and I had spent a good amount of time talking about it. And as much as I would like to think I could make good insights and recommendations, it is really, really hard to be in the weeds, to be in the data, to be writing code in SQL, and to be making dashboards and reports. It's really hard to do that all day and then come up with a really good recommendation because you do you know what you haven't been doing all day? You haven't been chatting with sales reps on what they're working on or chatting with marketers on what they're doing. You haven't been sitting in meetings with execs to understand the latest strategy for the company. Like it's really hard to do both. And I think that it's expected of most analysts. And truthfully, you just, you're never, you're like, it's impossible. I think, um, especially when a company's growing at scale to find someone who can do all of those well. Um, so we, we just decided, hey, we're going to call my team decision support, which means we are the ones in the data, in the weeds, writing the code, automating dashboards, and, and kind of making it in an easily accessible format. And then we have another team that's actually called our strategy team, and they're the ones that will be consuming all of the data we put together and sort of finding those insights and recommendations, and then working with our executives on what they should do and what actions they should take and where the company should be growing and all those things. Um, and so actually, I think it's going to work out really, really well for us. And so when you mentioned the whole, you know, being more strategic, it's like, yeah, I would love to be on that team one day. But for right now, um, I'm totally happy just doing the decision support side of it. So I guess that's why we didn't choose the term analytics and we went with decision support is to kind of really clearly define, like, we're just supporting the decisions that are being made with by providing data we are not actually like giving those recommendations and that insights which I think is actually like that whole process is what I would call analytics and we're just doing like the basic building blocks um, so that's where decision support came from and then uh, team lead I don't because I'm the team lead so my, my my title became a mouthful of go to market decision support team lead but um, I think it is uh, an accurate de depiction of what I'm working on right now so there's a lot of companies that are looking to make the transition to, you know, revenue operations similar to the style that you guys have made at New Relic. Um, what do you think your biggest transition or like takeaway for this transition would be or like your biggest piece of advice for anyone um, looking to make a transition to create a team like that? I think it's so important to find um I, I'm going to call it a quick win, but I don't even think it has to necessarily be super quick. But if it's just like a huge win for um, uh, a highly visible project, because the second the teams come together, everyone just looks to the team like, OK, well, why did you make this move? Prove to me that I was actually good or prove me that it was actually better or like, are things working? Are things not working? And so if you can find some things that you're already making progress, on or things that are already doing well it's like it's actually i i wouldn't like i was really expecting that we would have a good quarter before people started asking us that it was literally like the second week 
okay, so what's changed? What's better? It was like, oh my gosh, we're all still figuring out our new jobs, you know? Um, so it was really fast when our execs started coming to us and asking us for um, results of our efforts. And so it's just finding those really highly visible projects and finding things that are, are going better. And so there's a few projects that we have underway. One of them is around opportunity creation. And this is because of um, marketing trying to marketing and our partnerships, trying to figure out how much revenue are they actually sourcing. And so a lot of that has to do with how the sales rep is creating the opportunity. And so we have tracking and systems in place. So that way, if the, the sales rep creates the opportunity, quote unquote, in the correct way, then all of the attribution works out nicely versus if they create it incorrectly, then the attribution breaks. And so um, we now have new processes that we're rolling out and we're going to be enabling all the sales reps on how to do it correctly. And so that's just going to make all of the marketing and the partnership data so much better. And so that was a huge cross-functional kind of, even though, even though we haven't done it yet, we've been able to show progress on it, which the execs were really happy with because now marketing and our partnership team are going to get better data, but that was something that required help from the sales side because they needed to enable their sales reps and come up with processes that would work for their sales reps. So that was a huge project for us that we were able to show um, progress on and, and show that the cross-functional alignment is working. You have such a broad set of skills that you bring to this to make data make sense for marketing. You mentioned so many, so many disciplines, the, everything from business process to Salesforce to just core data analysis and Tableau and R and just math, math skills. What do you, so you came up through the lens of a mathematician. You, you actually have a graduate degree in applied math. Do you think that for other people, in other words, what do you think makes a great marketing analytics person? Is it a marketer who, is it easier to be a marketer and then learn the math or is it easier to be a mathematician? a math person and learn the marketing or should you come up from the ops ranks and then learn both of those? Really? I think all of those scenarios work. And so uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm trying to hire a sales analyst right now and I have interviewed people from all of those uh, spectrums that you've mentioned, um, people who uh, have no idea what sales is, but they're awesome at the technical side and, and vice versa. People who um, have been working in sales for forever in some capacity, know sales metrics, know what the business is like, know, know everything about it, but then don't have as much technical skills. And so I would say that as long as you are willing to learn and to keep learning and to do what's necessary, that's all you really need. And so to me, what I try to um, understand when I'm interviewing people or, or looking for, for people who would do well in a role like this is their eagerness to help the business. If you love like your company and your business and you truly want to see them succeed, then when the execs are asking questions about, hey, what does this look like? Or can we get data to see that? And like, and you understand what they're trying to do and you're truly motivated by helping them and helping the business make better decisions, then you'll just do what you have to do to get to those conclusions. If you don't have the technical skills, you'll learn them and, you, and you'll find the right tools or what you need to, to solve that problem. Or if you don't understand the business, you'll go and start chatting with people and asking them their thoughts and, and maybe trying to find mentors or, you know, I just think if you have the right mentality, you you can learn anything and you you can learn the tools. And, and that's also the great thing with marketing is there's like, 
the marketing tech stack is ridiculous. There's tools like, you know, if, if you don't know how to do something yourself and maybe it is a little too advanced, like campaign attribution. Yeah, that's fine. You can maybe go and buy a vendor or buy a tool and, and do that for the company, right? If that's what makes sense for you guys. Um, sometimes buying a tool is cheaper than hiring a full-time employee. Um, so yeah, so I think as long as you are passionate about helping the business succeed um, and willing to just learn and do what you need to do um, to, to help that business succeed, I think uh, you can be successful in a, in a marketing analytics type role. Would you call yourself a marketer or a mathematician or, you know, a marketing mathematician, like how do you sort of self-identify after this whole, you know, transition in your career? I always thought of myself as a mathematician and I've always, um, yeah, I've always said that like, oh, I, I'm really great at being impartial and giving marketing really objective advice because I'm not a marketer. I'm not one of them. I'm a mathematician. And I always said that. And I, I thought I felt that way until we created our go-to-market operations team. And now I'm finding that I'm actually a marketer. It's so funny. It's um like just everything I think about and, and everything I do and just how sad I was to not be part of the marketing team anymore. It dawned on me like, oh, my gosh, I've just been fooling myself this whole time because I've totally just been a marketer. And so um, now that I'm not part of marketing and I'm part of the go to market ops team, um, I am very sad. And I do uh, I do still kind of think of myself as a marketer. And I feel um I'm always like in any in any room, in any meeting, when people start talking about things, I'm always that marketing voice where I'm like, OK, but let's think about this from marketing's perspective. And I, you know, I'm always that that person. Um, but I think uh, it's it's nice because um, just from a numbers perspective, our sales operations team had a lot more people on our marketing ops team. And so um, kind of being that one person that's willing to speak up and and stick up for marketing and make sure their needs are met. Um, I enjoy doing it. And I think I think other people appreciate my perspective also um so i think i think i have to admit i'm a marketer <laughs> maria it was uh delightful to talk to you you gave so many so many great perspectives so, so much great advice thank you so much for spending the time to chat with us thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed it i love uh talking about myself so i'm happy to come back anytime <laughs> all right thanks maria Thank you.